The next train to Tangent City departs in one minute. This is an unlimited service that may stop at reviews, spoilers, and swearing. Passengers traveling with young or conservative travel companions are reminded to read the show description before embarking on any journey to Tangent City. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Stuffer, I'm going to introduce this one just Hi. as a bit of a... We're here. Hi. <laughs> it's a spoiler cast. And I think that's you... what we've been doing generally for spoiler casts. <laughs> Intention cities, are they an hour-ish? Or what, uh, what depends. You... It really depends on how much we've got to talk about. Um, I think there's been some that have threatened to be two hours, but we've managed to wind it back. Because they get to a point, um, we often record them as a as a like a series <laughs> like we usually try and get together and record two or three okay yeah. um three is definitely the limit probably two would be a better limit somewhere in episode three there gets this point of a fatigue like, yeah in. fatigue and delirium and it's just it all goes <laughs> sideways from there and then we all like come up with all these things that we need to talk about mm-hmm. and they drag on forever but they're kind of fun at yeah. the same time so we just do what is we there do often alcohol involved or try to keep a lid on it and uh, not get too messy from a- it depends like some have just gone completely just you know cups of tea and water but um but you know that there's been the occasional bottle popped open mm. <laughs> just every it. now and again a few extra tangents yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. yeah there's 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 a few extra there that um on those days um but yes we are recording tangent city and it's it's not the usual crew is it Lou? It is not like usually uh I'd be sitting here as the only uh male voice to be heard. Mm. Uh Cecilia and Rachel would be with us as well uh and of course of course Cat. Uh but uh, we decided to, to we're going to enlist Lee to come in and uh, uh talk to us about Book of Boba Fett because uh Lee is our, our resident uh, Star Wars expert. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a real expert. No. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Rachel always says not a real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so because we, we've done a, um, if you haven't listened to it yet, we did a uh, did done another podcast on the the Halcyon, the new uh, Star Wars uh, hotel that is uh, going to be opening very very soon. Uh, and this is going to be our uh, spoiler cast on the. Uh, yeah, you can ring the bell. Yes. <laughs> Yay! Right, we've rung the spoiler bell. Uh, this is going to be our spoiler cast on the the Book of Boba Fett, which is uh, recently uh, completed on Disney Plus. So. Um, yeah, it's... It finished up, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, about two weeks yeah. ago. I think it was the last episode. It was episode uh, seven, uh, In the Name of Honor, which uh, screened on February the 9th, 2022. Hmm. So... Uh, Look at that for accuracy. Here's our fact check of the today. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I've got the... I've actually got the episode list up, and uh, what, what I'll do is I'm going to give us a, a bit of a brief synopsis of the, the episodes, uh, just to refresh those, those, those memories of, of, of what a heard uh and so we can have a have a discussion about it so um, before you jump into that yeah, yeah i wanted to ask a quick question uh boba fett as a character in star wars um is mysterious and a bit of a um you know cloaked in very cool looking doesn't have an awful lot to say mm-hmm. in the original trilogy um expanded a bit of his backstory in the prequel trilogy but there are some mega fans of boba fett who just you know can't get enough of it and uh, and if you try and buy a boba fett toy it comes with a boba fett tax because it's just a very very popular figure 
So what baggage did you bring to the Book of Boba Fett? Do you start as a, you know, he's just a character in Star Wars and he's kind of cool looking, or are you a big fan of the Fett, as Kev Smith says? I, I, I like the, the Boba Fett character, um, but he, as you said, he was just one of those kind of like background Star Wars characters mm. who like you went, that's a really cool looking character design. And I do remember, um, there was a, a, a toy, like a, a quite a large toy of him, uh, where you could look through, inch. yeah, you could look through the eye, eyepiece kind of thing. Mm. Like you could, uh, put down his eye thing and look through that uh, and that, that was kind of cool um, but I never owned any Boba Fett action figures or statues or, or, or anything like that um, And but I always wanted to know what happened to him like mm. after he fell in the Sarlacc pit I was like did he stay dead did he come back out what, what happened to him so I think, I think the mysterious nature of that character does make people want to find out more mm. and I think as a kid you probably your imagination ran away with you a little bit he could be this he could be that he could be from anywhere it's a real open canvas for kids imagination I think do you think the like as I said in the original trilogy you just saw him like being introduced uh, into uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, well actually but even before that it was in the Star Wars Holiday Special where mm. there was an animated yeah. feature uh, it's an animated show and he was introducing that and he was riding a massive beast I can't remember what it was called um, big pink dinosaur looking thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was riding one of those those creatures. Was that a mythosaur or not? A different animal, do you think? Mythosaur's got the big horns and stuff, I think. Yeah. From I'm, from the from the skull to, I can't you know, I, I can't yeah. recall the name of the creature, although I'll I'll, I'll see if I can find it uh, find out what it was he was riding. Um but the But probably the best bit of the holiday special. Yes. Probably. Yeah. And and again you had that really cool costume and so that like they went wanted to have a bounty hunter mm. for Empire, so went well, what about that that costume? And they they made a real life version of it, and then he was just there and originally played by a British actor and just like Jeremy, had a, Jeremy Bullock, yeah. yeah, just had a very British voice when he did have his minimal speaking roles, four lines that yeah. he had in episodes back. And, and then, that's the thing. He was such a like a small mm. character. That's why I wondered whether he was hugely expanded on in all the written stuff. So as you wish. He's no good to me dead. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. Mm. That's all he says yeah. in the entire movie. But with that min- very, very little dialogue, super, super popular character. Well, mm. I think that the characters in Star Wars, like the ones who say the least uh, can be the most popular. I mean, mm. even you know Darth Maul in Episode One had very few lines True. Yeah. and was still a very popular character. That's I think right, it's yeah. all based on the look. I mean... Um, yeah, even you go um, back to episode one, so uh, episode four, and New Hope, and like almost every creature in the cantina had a, a action figure made out of them, mm. and people were just like, "I, I want to know the backstories of all, all, all these creatures." Like the guy w- w- where he leans over, and uh, you know his his uh, mates there, and he says to Luke, "Yeah, he doesn't like you, and I don't like you either." And mm. then uh, his mate gets his arm cut off. It's like, "Well, what's what's going on there? Well, what happened in his day that made him not like Luke?" You know. You can, you can scratch that itch if you want to. There's a couple of books yeah. called From a Certain Point of View. One, lots of side stories from the Star Wars characters and one for Empire and Strikes Back. 
Jedi one's not mm-hmm. out yet, but it's a 40th anniversary sort of book. But if you want to know a little bit more about those guys, it pops up in Rogue One too. Mm-hmm. And I, I want, um, uh, actually, Robot Chicken. Did you ever watch Robot Chicken? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember the, episode, the Star Wars episode where they're in the cantina and <laughs> the guy's like rolling him up and because the other guy doesn't speak English and uh, he's like, he doesn't like you. He's like, no, 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 I'm all good. I quite like you. <laughs> awesome. Really. The, 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 there's a Star Wars TV show that, Bad, um, that, uh, um, it's Bad Monkey, uh, Bad Monkey Studios or Seth Green Studios, um, that does robot stupid chicken. Monkey. Stupid, sorry, stupid Monkey. Stupid I'm like, monkey. I know that yeah, doesn't was, sound right. Yeah, I was mixing up Bad Robot and Stupid Monkey. Uh-huh. Um, they did a, like a Star Wars show, which was in canon, but it was like a, like a tongue in cheek take on Star Wars. Oh, right. But it never, it was just at the time where Disney bought, uh, Lucas films. So it hasn't actually seen the light of day. Yeah. Mm. I put it away. Yeah, but it's still there. Mm. And it's like, you know, you've got Disney Plus now and you need content. So mm. you've got this ready to go. And apart from Mandalorian, um, Boba Fett popping up in season two of The Mandalorian, mm. was it just Emperor Strikes Back and a little bit of transgender that sticks in your mind or are Probably you more connected to the Jango Fett not. son of yeah kind of part? and that's the thing for me because I didn't start watching Star Wars until I was I think I used to catch I think it was Empire Strikes Back seemed to be on the TV all the mm. time so I used to get like snippets of that in my childhood but only ever really caught snippets of it mm. and then I didn't watch the whole trilogy until I was 18. And you went, ah, oh, that makes I sense went, what oh, all that was about. Okay. <laughs> and um, it was at a time where I had a lot of time on my hands and um, they were on video, the copies that I had. Mm. And I must have watched them through, like, because I only had the trilogy um, and train spotting to watch. Mm. They were the only videos that I had in my possession. That's, and so I watched them endlessly. <laughs> that's a that's a not a bad. Min- yeah. If you've got a mini collection to have, that would be okay. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't so bad. So yeah, I just used to watch those endlessly, and so watched them quite a bit. But around that same time was when the episodes one, two, and three came out, and so you had. And little did you know, you were watching a young Obi Wan get his willy out on train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just like going, oh, more Ewan McGregor. I'll watch those. Um, yeah. but you just. Um, I guess for me, it was more about like, I was probably had more connection to, um, the, like the Jenga Fett, Boba Fett story mm. and having Tamira Morrison playing those characters than I did having, um. And I thought that was actually quite a nice way for the whole thing to kick off. Mm. Like the yeah. first couple of flashback scenes are back to Genosis and Camino. Mm. I thought that was quite nice to kind of acknowledge that. Yeah. Prequel history that And just like that, that sense of loss mm. and like where he comes from mm. and everything like that. So. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's my experience of it is that, like, it was just a sideline character for me in the um, originally film trilogy. Mm. Like, it's so weird having all the numbers out of sequence. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I was more about, like, the um, episodes one, two, and three version. And, and interest um, today is largely out of probably Mandalorian being so successful. Um, I think that bringing Boba Fett into that show um, – is good fun, I think. Not a hundred percent necessary, but I think you've you've pretty much got Boba Fett as the Mandalorian now. Anyway, uh, I think you've got you know the man, mysterious man who doesn't take mm. his helmet off mm. is now fleshed out under a different name, basically. But having them together is cool to look at. It's kind of hmm, sometimes it feels a bit funny. <laughs> do you do you think it was the like initially the idea for the Mandalorian was Boba Fett? 
Mm. Do you think they were just like, okay, we want to make a Boba Fett TV show, and then Disney or, or Lucasfilms just went, ah, nah, nah. Okay, so we won't do a Boba Fett TV show, but how about a guy who looks exactly like Boba Fett but, but silver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think that's that probably goes back to you know Favreau and Filoni being mm. the of the right age, grew up with it, mm. loved that character and how mysterious he was, and just wanted to put that magic back in the bottle a little bit, I think. Could you imagine that first episode of The Mandalorian? Like, if they'd told us we're going to be making a show called The Mandalorian, um, and then, you know, we saw we saw the, like, the look, look of him and everything like that, but then the first episode, the first thing you see is the Boba Fett turns up, and that The Mandalorian is Boba Fett. Because uh, you, you could have done the same storyline with mm. the... With the um, uh, Grogu, or, the, or as he was called, the child at the time, you could have done with that a, same storyline with, with any bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, mm. uh, but uh, I mean that that way you, you could bring him back in. But um, but he didn't have the baggage, and that well, not the baggage that Boba Fett has got. Oh, you mean the um, Din Djarin, like his baggage as being his parents were killed, and he like you know was found by the Mandalorians. And- no, 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 no. Like you didn't like nobody really knew about. The Mandalorian, mm. like so, it was a new character, so that was something new to play with. And I think that is part of its success: is that mm. you get to know him from scratch, mm. and um, you become a bit more invested in the character as a result. I mm-hmm. think when characters come with uh, slight or expanded backstory, you've already set the scene, and what you've got now is to mm. take it from there. Origin stories are hugely popular. That's what mm. people want to see: is the origin stories, and so you get to see that you've kind of already had that with Boba Fett. And so having a new character and also like being slightly experimental because that show was kind of a bit of a, a lead for all these Star Wars shows that are coming out. Mm. That mm. success was what sort it's of- It's a huge success as got, well. It's not like a, yeah. a minor success. It's not like, um, you know, it's not like a Loki show or a, you know- uh, WandaVision or- yeah, Something like yeah. that, which are great shows. The Mandalorian for Star Wars was a phenomenal show and it's sort of reset- the new benchmark on what people were hoping and expecting from Star Wars that, mm. that the pre, the sequel trilogy didn't really deliver on. And I think people got back into it and really, really liked it based on the success of that show. And Boba Fett had a tough act to follow, I think. Mm. And, and the thing is, as well, is because like The Mandalorian and Boba Fett are very similar characters like you know where where do you go when you bring Boba mm. Fett back is like how how do you uh make his show and so that's why the the direction they went with deciding that he would be taking over from Jabba the Hutt and becoming a crime lord um it, it was kind of like a different deviation but his crime lord as well is he's not the, the kind of crime lord that wants to go in there and rule by terror he's trying to be more political about the way he's doing things yeah, he wants to rule by respect. I think yeah. that's in the trailer. Mm. Um, but I think the it's not until you get nearly halfway through the book of Boba Fett do you sort of get any certainty about his motives for why he wants to do that. Mm. And in the beginning, it seemed like, well, that's a bit of a weird choice. Mm. And even at the very end, the post credit scene at the end of season two of The Mandalorian just comes in and blasts Bib Fortuna. And it's like, what? Yeah. Why'd you do that? And you're just left with a cool image as the teaser for what's coming next but mm. it sort of doesn't quite make sense because all right you got knocked into the sarlacc pit by the goodies but he was employed by the baddies so you know just i don't know it seemed a little bit 
And, and why is Fennec Shand all of a sudden like hanging out with him? Like, what's that about? Like, it was it wasn't mm. really explained. It was just like this. Bam! It's just there. Well, that's that's one of the the, uh, the fortunate things about Book of Boba Fett is they actually uh, go through and they mm. fill in a bit of the backstory about mm. like what happened to him after he fell in the Sarlacc pit, um, and then when we see him again in the Mandalorian, where he rocks up wearing the black robes and mm. has got the um, his gaffy ga- gaffy stick. stick yeah. He's got the gaffy stick and, and sleeve one. Yeah. He's got, he's got all that that stuff mm. back, but like, how did you go from being digested to to yeah. being? You know, it does answer those questions quite well, yeah. for sure. So, so in the first episode was a stranger in a strange land, and this is like literally the the show where it shows where he escapes from the Sarlacc pit that swallowed him, mm. and it was pretty much what we expected. He just like clawed his way out, pretty much. Um, and see that part, given the you know. That has definitely happened because we've seen him appear. That it needed explaining roughly how he did it, but it was done like that. Like mm. They covered it fast. I thought. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's like before you know it, he's all dusty and he's outside. Yeah. And he's getting <laughs> and he's getting beaten over the head. But the, the, the Jawas show what pricks they are. I would just like yeah. you know, this guy is like you know just call out of the satellite pit and they're like take his armor and yeah. so they just like strip him his armor, leave, leave him, him dead in the sun. Yeah. yeah. And then he's there, and then uh, all of a sudden the, the Tuscan Raiders they rock up. And they're just like, well, you know, we can do something with this guy. Not quite sure what their motives are, but uh, it's, a, it's a real bad day at the office. That yeah, Sarlat Pip Jawas, and then some people can kidnap you. Yeah, Tuscan yeah. Raiders just like, yeah, it's not, it's not going well. Yeah, so he gets he gets taken by the Tuscan Raiders, and he's at their their camp. Um, and mm. um, he's sitting there next to it's a Rodan. Ro- Rodan. How do you pronounce it? Rodan? Rhodesian. Rhodesian, yeah. The, uh, the, the alien, the green alien with a suckery kind of mouth. This, this one was, yeah, Greedo yeah. From, from the original trilogy that hand shot. That, that species. Was, yeah. But a red one. A red one, yeah, yeah, and um, so he was, he was there, and and like Boba Fett was like, right, we're going to escape, and he, he breaks himself free, and this guy like you know pulls a pin on him and like yells, grass, like, grasses him up real yeah. quick, <laughs> and then so they both are like still captured, and they go off to to go on like on a trek for water because obviously and, water's and at that point the two prisoners just become the plaything of a child. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit strange. Like I know. The Tuscan Raiders are supposed to be, you know, fairly hardy, mm. but they're just like, oh yeah, you can play with them for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> but I think take, that was the whole thing take, was to take, take them you. down <laughs> a notch. So he had his dog put with him, him right down at the bottom. Pecking yeah, order. yeah. It's just like you're you're just not a threat to us, and so we're just going to send so, you out with the kid. Yeah. So with the the Tuscan Raiders picking him up and another captive, what are they doing with him? Just tenderizing him up for a feed or I, something. That's or? That's, I never quite understood what their motivations were, but I mean, just keep him around for a bit, see what happens. Yeah. Obviously, the other guy gets killed, and so the yeah, he comes back pretty and, viciously killed. Actually, yeah. he gets pounded into the yeah. into the sand. Yeah, and he's like he the, the Boba Fett comes back and he's like you know save the kid. He's got some water. He's the hero of the mm. the, the group, and so they kind of embrace him. And he and, he, and I thought the end of that episode um, was really nicely done because the kid comes back as the bragging mm. conqueror of the the beast from Clash of the Titans um, and, <laughs> and has the head and he's all chuffed himself. Boba Fett says nothing, doesn't correct the kid, lets him have his little moment in the sun, mm. just let, lets him but the the raider leader identifies, well the kid didn't do that, you did that and mm. actually gave him some order so he's earned his first bit of respect at the mm. very end of that show, which I thought was a nice touch it was good. Mm. Mm. 
And so you see that. Uh, but it shows like even though they have no motives and stuff like that, they seem to be quite wise and savvy mm. to what goes on because they're a weird kind of race in terms of like their, the way they communicate. They seem quite like, you know, almost animal the way that they're being portrayed in the other Mm. movies and then you've got them where they've got like you know they've got leadership within the tribe and and obviously someone that's actually got a little bit of like oh yeah nah we know it wasn't the kid here have a (laughs) glass of water (laughs) but yeah it was interesting because i think the mandalorian also spoke uh the same language yeah and he could same language as well yeah. yeah Uh, but yeah, so that was showing a bit of the past of how he like got out of psych and how he mm. you know became the guy that we we saw. Uh, but in the in, in that first episode, they they set it up with a very definitive structure of how they tell the story. Mm, so it's mm. done in flashback, and you see him in his batter tank in the palace, and it flashes back to all that um, Tuscan Raider stuff. And in the first few episodes, I kind of felt every time it flashed back, I was kind of thinking. Oh, let's get this bit out of the way so we can get up to date to the present day story and take it from there because mm. the present day story seemed to sort of lag and be a bit mm. slow. Mm. And in hindsight, the best bits were the flashbacks. That story with the Tuscans Agreed. is probably the heart of the show. Really. Every time we came back to the present day, I was just like going, oh, I really want to know how this pans out. Yeah. And, and in present day, he's trying to establish himself as a crime boss, not mm. doing any crime yeah, and, uh, and just sort of trying to keep an even keel with the people. So it's a very soft crime lord sort of uh, position from... Uh, you know, best killer in the galaxy, bounty hunter. It's yeah. he's changed tech, and and the change is what the story is really about. Um, in that first ep- in that first season, but when it flashed forward to present day, it felt odd, mm. and it was um like, a, and I was kept wanting the flashback bits to kind of you know be over and go back and improve the and hear more about the present day story. But now I think when I rewatch the first four episodes. It's the Tuscan story that I like the best, I think. Mm. And and they look cool. Yeah. Like the version that you see in A New Hope, this these guys are badass compared to them. They've mm. got, you know, the dark gear, a bit more kind of design. Mm. The female warrior is awesome in it. And yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, no, it, it is some of the better start parts of uh, the book of Boba Fett. And but I do I do like that they I said that that framing mechanism they use of using the back to tank and and also the fact that they use that so they can because he was really scarred up in Mandalorian yeah and so it was a way of like you know a you know uh, healing him but also making sure that they have to put all that um, makeup on Tamir Morrison at <laughs> the time they're using Boba Fett from now on true um, so they can just like you know, go okay cool you're all good to go yeah. so and um, I do remember when the, the Bata tank healing sessions finished. The droid goes, you're now 100% healed. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'm like, thank fuck for that because I don't want to see any of that more flashback stuff. Let's go on with the story kind of thing. It's kind of like, I'm glad that that he's healed. Let's go. Yeah, Yeah, it took him a long time. Lots of flashbacks. Well, there was a a lot of scouring. So, Um, but the, yeah, he was in that first episode trying to um, establish himself as a crime lord as well and getting tribute and, you know, basically Mm. protection money from local businesses. Um, but there was one... But not really offering any protection. Like, well, what were they paying protection for? It seemed more like a series of introductions. Mm. Yeah. Like, I'm here, the new boss. What are you going to say about it? Yeah. And most people go, well, here, have some money. Apart from the mayor. Yeah. But the mayor's aide, or whatever you want to call him, I thought he was great. Like, condescending and <laughs> patronizing yeah. without really trying hard to not get his head blown off at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I, thought yeah. was, I thought it was really good. 
No, it was it was yeah, it was great to, to have that South and you're going, well, what's the deal with this bear? Was, was like, he a comedian, you know, the guy who played that role? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hmm. But the um, they they also introduced the cantina as well in Mos Espa. Um, a sanctuary, the, yes, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they had the the band from Jabba's Palace mm. in there as well, so that was kind of cool. Max Rebo, the blue elephant guy. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the the guy from uh, the one of the band members. I think it was like four of them. I think in the original cantina, one of them and a our unit drummer. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was great. Yeah. We've got like six drumsticks going. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> but um, the Blue Elephant, Max Rebo, didn't he? I thought he got blown up on Jabba's barge, but he made it out alive. He did, yeah. And he wasn't there. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and he wasn't there when the Blumen Sanctuary place got blown up. So he's dodging another explosion. Well, we've got to have him turn up somewhere else down the track. And he it, may it, be the criminal mastermind yeah, after I was all. Say. <laughs> possibly, possibly. But yeah, so that, that first episode was all, all really, um, set up. But there was a bit of a, f- a major fight scene at the end of it, uh, which I think mm. you, you sort of found a bit difficult to take because, uh, Boba Fett wasn't really like the kick-ass fighter that you were... He felt inept, I yeah. thought. And they did get, you know, fairly well surrounded and they're supposed to be elite assassin crew, so there would have been a fair enough hard scrap. Mm-hmm. But both Fennec Shand and him were getting bested throughout that scrap mm-hmm. for quite a while until the Gamorrean guards turned up and sort of saved the day. But then the rooftop chase after that, so, you know, bit a good bit of action mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff. But it, there did seem to be too many times he was get, gotten the better of. But I think... That's what I really like about the Mandalorian is that he does get his ass kicked and handed to him every now and again, and it's like, okay, well, you're not indestructible, you're you know flawed and you know, mortal, mm. um, so I think it's okay to yeah take a beating every now and again. But it was a uh, good good to have the, the Gamorrean guards back again. Mm. Like the, the, we did see a bit of them in Mandalorian, but uh, I, I think being in um, uh, in Tatooine, uh, that you, you need to really have have those guys there. Yeah. Uh, Particularly with Jabba's palace, because they were so uh, you know iconic in in that uh, in Return of the Jedi. And it was nice that they, they turned up and just assumed they were going to get executed, but yeah. but weren't going to turn traitor. <laughs> yeah, so they sort of held their ground and super loyal. And Boba goes, "I'll have some of that loyalty. You can mm-hmm. stay." So yeah, it's it quite nice. It was nice to see them on side with the main character for once, mm. like rather than being sort of like henchmen working Goons. for someone. Yeah, unfortunately, they become expendable mm. in the end. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I won't press spoiler. that every time. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it, number three hundred and sixty-four. But yeah, I thought it was a good, good setup first episode, mm. um, and yeah, leaves you with a bit of a cliffhanger as well because uh, Fennec Shan uh, actually captures one of the assassins and brings them back to be interrogated in, in the next episode, which is the tribes of Tatooine, um, uh, which is uh, written actually. John John Fav actually wrote all of the episodes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, except for one where Dave Filoni also worked uh, some of it as well but uh, directed by different directors the the first one was uh, Robert Rodriguez directed the first episode Mm -hmm. Uh, and the second episode was directed by uh, Steph Green um, and with the uh, the second episode, uh, they interrogate the the assassin who was hired by uh, Mock Shaz, who's the mayor of Mos Espa. And Shaz denies that he offered um, denies that he actually hired the assassin, and mm. uh, they just very quickly kill him, <laughs> the assassin, sure. so he can't talk. Um, but the interrogation of the assassin, I thought, was a lot of fun. Mm, mm. 
the empty rancor cage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and his fear of the rancor was, yeah, he just wet himself and he gave gave up the goods instantly. The thought of getting munched alive, like the, he tried for a moment. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that was quite a nice little. Um, yeah, and it's actually just a little mouse in the cage. Yeah. <laughs> Good for comedy. Um, it was it, it was it was very very good. But they obviously have like the the threat of the rancor pit. And then later on, they introduce an actual Rancor mm. and the, the, the Rancor's handler as well. Um, and uh, they, they really, uh, like, give a bit more um, texture and backstory to, to Rancors because mm-hmm. all we really saw was that one fight with Luke and the Rancor getting killed and then the real, you know, depression in the, the Rancor handler. Yeah, the emotional <laughs> like, connection that yeah. he had. Makes more sense now. Yeah, yeah. Just so the, it was, that yeah. was it was really good. Um but the, uh, the the mayor being that that hammerhead mm. kind of character, um, who, like again, someone we saw in the cantina like years ago. Now, not obviously not the same character, but the same species. species. Yeah. Um, you get to see that character and then uh, see how they were speaking out the sides of their their mouth. And- yeah, it's like a bridle or something almost that mm, were sticking out, mm. but like a translator at the same time. Yeah, pretty cool. But and and he was actually uh, he's in. Um, cahoots with a uh, spice running uh, group uh, that is the same one that uh, Boba Fett ran into with the Tuscans and that's introduced in this episode as well mm. um, that there's these trains running spice uh, through the Tuscan land it's really fun action sequence mm. that train heist if you want to call it um, that, but it's a good bit of action and there's some comedic beats in there too yeah, yeah. And they're the Pikes, I the, think they're the called. Pikes, and they're yeah. a, a crime the Pikes a ri- syndicate, yeah. Effectively a rival crime syndicate. Yeah. And and so in this one you've got uh, uh, again uh Boba goes back to the, the the sanctuary and then gets called out because there's some people there to meet him and the people that are there to meet him are the huts which are the twins uh which are cousins of Jabba the Hutt. Mm. And so we got to see you know, a couple more um huts turn up. And but we only see them once in the season. I found twice. that twice. They deliver the rancor. Oh, they come back, yeah, right. So when they turn up, mm. the I think they call it. They keep asking, "Why does Boba Fett, Boba Fett, not get carried around on a litter?" I think they mm-hmm. call it. Um, and then Return of the Jedi, Jabba was on like a platform that sort of slid forward, and he was on the, the barge and stuff. But you never see him sort of moving around in the way that these huts get moved around, yeah. and the flex that the people are carrying the sort of like wooden structure you can see everything so like strange. it's just going real slow and just like oh that's a brutal job that one yeah. <laughs> that's, the that's guy rough. in the middle you can just <laughs> see that he was really taking a lot of that yeah. strain and you're like oh dude I'm glad they did that though because otherwise like you know, the uh, CGI characters they don't have a lot of, of weight to them mm-hmm. but actually having people physically there showing this yeah. weight to them it, it really was added good. to it it was good yeah um, you still want to see two slugs dragging their butts through the desert. That's just going to get coarse after a while. Yeah. yeah. A slimy yeah. trail. Uh, red, red bottom. <laughs> yeah, true. No, it was, it well, and you don't like get that big by being active. That's <laughs> so. right, yeah. I think it's the, the bigger they are, the more status they hold. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. And we also saw the uh, the, the first uh, live-action version of uh, the Wookiee Bounty Hunter Chrysanthemum? Chrysanthemum? Black Chrysanthemum. Black Chrysanthemum, yeah. Mm. Um, and he, he was cool. Like He looked exactly like the, the character from the comics, so I was very impressed with that. I think this show has done a really nice job of taking 
characters from other source materials, comics or books mm. or... Or characters that you've had a brief glance at. Yeah, yeah, and bringing them in and realizing them and seeing the first version of them in live action. I think that's a, a nice way to build the universe and, and give... I know that Disney reset the canon and so everything after that is, is all fair game for mm. being brought in. Um, but I think it's a... Yeah, who doesn't love a, a Wookiee? Very, very, I don't know that I'd hug this Wookiee. Like, pulling pulling arms off things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this Wookiee's a bit more uh, a bit more violent, more of an arm-tearing off Wookiee. So. Yeah. Um, but the... Uh, but as he walks around the corner from the back of the litter, that little slow-mo shot, you're like, he's a badass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and, and there's a, a backstory between him and Bob as well, and you can feel that tension in that first, mm. in, in that meeting on screen. And that's really nice. But that's it's, it's, kind of where you do start getting into that whole motivation thing yeah. and into like that in-betweenness of characters, like that people don't necessarily have to be one or another, that their loyalties can change and also that like it's perspective. So because he, once he has his change in of loyalty, he he just becomes like not a nicer character. Well, he does. He becomes a nicer character. Towards the end, the like he becomes less threatening. Black Crescenton, mm. yeah, yeah, because he does get bested eventually mm. by um, Boba's new tribe, and yeah. um, gets instead of killing him or you know sending him back or whatever, he just let him go free, and mm. that gained a lot of respect. And it seems to be every now and again he has those respect moments that builds his team. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's and it's done, and and his team's strong because they want to be there, not because they're paid to be there. Mm. Mm. And and then uh, he goes back into his uh, his back to tank and shows does a bit more of the story about uh, his time with the Tuscans and mm. um, the, why he doesn't like the Pikes because of uh, that uh, you know the the train comes through and takes out a bunch of the Tuscans and some of the Banthers as well and so he says to the leader of the Tuscans well let, let me go and get some uh, speed bikes, speed bikes yeah. and then we can we can take these guys out. And mm. so he goes and literally steals like five bikes, I think it was, uh, brings Teaches those- them to ride them. Best <laughs> training sequence I've seen for a yeah. while. I think uh, apart from when he does that cheesy sort of like, it's like riding a bantha kind of face. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, you could have cut that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, I don't know if it's the teeth or the way he's yeah. smiling. It's just like, yeah, Boba Fett don't make jokes. His teeth do look <laughs> quite false, I have to say. That. I think they're just a bit perfectly white. Yeah. yeah. And it jumps off the screen at you. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was great. And just the idea of like, he brings back these bikes and they just start dismantling them straight away. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. don't do and even when you stop, there's still one guy just throws the last little bit away. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, good. But then, yeah, then, as you said, an amazing action sequence with the train heist. Train's great. It's just like... Really good. And yeah. there was the... Um, the was, speed in particular, mm, I think, it's, it's hurtling along yeah. a hell of a lick. And, and, just and then a, gets open, faster. And then opening a hatch. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's, yeah it's, really good. It's, it's a pretty tight little choreographed piece of action, mm. that, I think. And again, there's a droid that is riding the train and he's quite, like, gives a bit of humor to it yeah. as well. Um, his, then, ba- his bail at the end yeah. is good. Yeah. <laughs> But then, like when he, when he does actually capture the pikes again, he doesn't kill them. He he like lets them go and basically with a message, yeah, yeah just you know makes a point of them. Mm. Um, and so they they head off and um, then they do the whole uh, gaffy stick ceremony and it shows how the the sticks are actually made. And I think he does a he gets the little um, lizard thing up his nose mm. and he goes on the vision oh, quest the vision kind quest of thing. thing. Yes, yeah. And I think the that's a nice little bit where. The watery world of Camino that he knew when he grew up 
also gets a vision of Tatooine when it was water as well. And there's a nice little connection there mm. on those sort of um, historical background of a planet and where he's come from. Mm. It's sort of meshed in quite well in that sort of trippy little scene. And then when he busts himself through the tree, he's literally breaking free of his past at that point, I think. And the, and the, the root or the branch that he takes with him you know, and presents it to the, uh, the Tuscan chief, and that bit where they go and make his gaffy stick head mm. at that point seems even cooler, I think. Yeah, it gives it a lot more gravitas than mm. if he'd just gone out into the desert and and found a piece of wood. It's like, in, you must go select your piece of wood. He didn't even know why he was going out there. We de- didn't know why he was going out with there. with no trees. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's come back with a mythical object. It's, yeah. it's completely foreign. Yeah. <laughs> but going through that process of like making that gaffy stick was just amazing yeah. to see so I'm, I'm a big cool. fan of uh, ralph mccrory's uh concept artwork okay. for star wars and there's a a scene um a, a painting that he did that's got the sand people's little structure where he makes his gaffy stick that's lifted and replicated almost perfectly in in the show mm-hmm. so they, and they do that yeah. every now and again with new star wars stuff is they'll take old unused artwork and bring it to life i think the uh, palpatine's throne in the rise of skywalker was uh, an unused concept as well so every now and again they take those little lifts and i think they look fantastic really it's good just further proof that dave filoni oh, it's just it's in, it's in his, it's in his a, blood yeah, yeah. But it's just so weird that the gaffy stick is actually very reminiscent of a maori weapon as well it is it's just so unusual mm. yeah. yeah i think there must be um great joy for the actor to be able to see that mm. object in a science fiction thing that has a significant weight as an object itself in the show. Yeah. And he wields it like a Maori. So and, and the little ceremony at the end where they dance around the fire, it feels quite haka-ish in mm. places. I know not a warning or anything, but you know, they're, they're, it's got that sort of, not once were warriors sort of feel. but It, seems, it just seems interesting that when they, um, they cast him as uh, Django Fett, um, and then they continued on in the Clone Wars and everything like that. It was always going to be his face and voice and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It just seems such a right fit for the character. Mm. It's just amazing. It's got the right it. number of years on him. Yeah. I think they'd play that mm. um, convincingly and correct. And he's, you know, for, he must be, what, 55 or something like uh, that? Maybe plus. Mm. He must, I reckon he must be 60. He's, he's in pretty awesome shape for a guy in his mm. 60s. Yeah, he's not yeah. doing too badly, is he? Yeah, I think he, he carries that physicality into the role quite well. Yeah, yeah. If anything, there's maybe one too many sort of grimacey faces when he's give, delivering death blows and things like that. But yeah. it's uh, that also comes off quite kind of... He's born in 1960. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so he'll be 60, 62. 62. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's going good. So hmm. in, in episode three, The Streets of Mos Espa... Uh, this one's also directed by Robert Rodriguez and uh, John obviously wrote it. Um, so in this one, one of the uh, the people who live in um, uh, Mos Espa comes to Boba Fett and says, like, there's these cyborg people who are stealing my water. Young punks. Yeah. He's going, you go sort them out. And so he was like, went and sorted them out. And they were like, yeah, you're stealing water. And they go, well, we've got no money, got, got no work. And he's like, and you're, the you're overcharging over- yeah. them yeah. for water. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so he was like, "Well, come work for me then." And so again, mm. again, like as you said, building his team as he as he goes along. And I kind of like these guys because they're called mods, and like yeah, they've got like the British mod kind of feel as well as having the actual it's, it's, it's a verbatim lift. Yeah. Mod, mods and rockers had the vespas with the mirrors. Mm. The mirrors are identical. The colors are bright for a sandy, windswept 
but it feels like they may have been made for another planet, like a Coruscant vehicle. Mm-hmm. They're all brightly uh, colored and stuff. Yeah. It feels otherworldly, and that can jar. But I think, yeah, it's a rich tapestry of the Star Wars universe. It could be from anywhere. And maybe it's a their little gang separate themselves from the other gangs because they've got this specious, specialist little bike that they spend all their time and money on, just like the mods used to. Yeah, but yeah, maybe it's like that kind of fandom thing where they're just like really into that and so they've actually strived to be so different and bring in those colours and stuff that you wouldn't normally have in that setting. I think given it's a hovering bike, Mm -hmm. I thought they might go a bit faster than they did. Yeah. I thought the the chase was a a little bit uh, pedestrian in places, but (laughs) um, yeah. But a, the, a nice crash at the end with all the fruit landing in the car. Yeah. Very yeah. Biff, biff tannin. That's good. <laughs> it would have been shit if it was. If yeah. It was <laughs> um, the, uh, so when he uh, brings these, these mods on to be his, uh, his backup, um, he also goes back into the back to tank and then tells people the story of when he went to the Pikes to try to negotiate the payment to the Tuscans. And then when he went back to the Tuscans, finding they were all wiped out. Mm. And uh, the uh, like, the logo of a biker gang he knew uh, was left behind as the Nikto speed bike gang. Yeah, yeah, proof of who actually did the killing, so he knew who he had to go and get revenge on. Um, but unfortunately, his uh, his um, back flashback got uh, uh, interrupted because um, Black Crescenton and Black Crescenton came back and attacked him. That was a good jump scare. Yeah, I'll give it. I said, oh, yeah, you got me. Yeah. I'm like, why is all the water? Flowing? Oh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good scrap. Yeah, especially when you're used to those back-to-tank things being like, oh, yeah, someone comes knocking and says, oh, we need to go do this now. So yeah. the back-to-tank scene ends and you're yeah. like, oh, we have to get back to the present time. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. Just and, re- and the scrap they had with the backup with the mods in that room mm. was a pretty intense fight. Mm. And the, the guards are coming in and getting bested by him as well. And he's taking on all six of them and that bear hug that he gives them just like oh the crunching sound you're like mm. and something happened weird happens with his foot like one of his toes goes all weird as well you're like oh that that is quite grim sort of i thought it was all ankle it was like oh. yeah it was pretty gross oh but it's a pretty good fight scene i think mm. uh, and like we haven't really seen like a big wookie fight scene so it was yeah. nice nice that to one, see that, that that one is in its prime for sure mm. yeah and again the the rancor trapdoor classic <laughs> oh yeah like yes. every palace has got to have a trapdoor yeah. <laughs> yeah. um an emote but yeah. obviously an emote yeah <laughs> a drawbridge obviously uh boba fett's not going to get uh, taken advantage of so him and his crew uh defeat uh the, the wookie and uh they they don't kill him obviously he just uh, you know uh imprison him until the the, the uh hut twins show up mm. um and at that, that point, they're kind of like, fair play, sorry, this isn't our territory, uh, but apparently not yours either. Um, the mayor has promised... <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah, Tatooine's shit, and we don't want it either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah, okay. Uh, the, the territory, the, the, the mayor had promised the territory to another syndicate, uh, being, of course, the Pikes. The Pikes, yeah. Um, and uh, so the twins vow, yep, yeah, we're, we're heading off, uh, it's all good, um, and uh, here, here's a rancor uh, for you. A baby rancor. Yeah, here's a baby rancor for you. Um, and uh, its uh, its trainer is um, someone who Danny Trejo. Yeah, very, very, very. Um, can't, can't be Robert Rodriguez without Danny Trejo. Exactly. Yeah, true. Very familiar, Robert Rodriguez. So, uh, yeah. So Danny Trejo was there, and uh, you explained a bit about the uh, connection with the uh, really nice the little, little bit there. Mm. And 
Boba Fett takes this real fast shine to him. Mm. It's like kindred spirit or something. You know, they're misunderstood. There's more to him than meets the eye kind of thing. And in, and really quickly, like, yep, let's train this. Mm. Let's start now. Feed mm. him a big carcass and let's get going. It's like he's got a real affinity for um for beasts and animals. Yeah, it gets on well with the Banthas too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the dog thing. Mm. Um, like he yeah. kind of gains yeah. that one's trust. Even, the even back to the first time we saw him, he was riding a massive beast. So yeah. it's always been a part of his story that he's had this affinity for for animals. Mm. So. Um, no, it was, it was great. And I think Danny Trejo was like the, the perfect kind of, I mean, you, you had that, the big fat, uh, Rancor trainer back in, uh, Jedi, but yeah. I think Danny Trejo was a good, good replacement for him. Definitely. But when Danny Trejo rocks up to the Star Wars makeup department, they go, ah, oh, not much to do here. You're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that weathered look just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, and that was uh, pretty much where the, um, I guess the, where that actually ends is that, uh, the, the pike starts arriving in Mos Espa and, uh, Boba Fett decides as well, time for war. Yeah. Or at least a skirmish or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in, uh, chapter four, The Gathering Storm, uh, which is directed by, uh, Kevin Tracohen, mm. um, the, uh, in the back to tank, uh, Fett's remembering uh, trying to reclaim his gunship uh, from the from Jabba's palace, and this is the uh, this episode largely a single flashback. So it's the teaming up of Shand and Fennec Shand and Boba Fett and getting Slave One back. Yes, yeah. So that's that's all about because in the previous episode, in episode, um, episode three, we kind of get a bit of a glimpse at the fact that she's got the robotic fit out, mm-hmm. don't we? No, you see that. When in an episode of The Mandalorian, uh, where Boba Fett gets his armor back, she re- ah. she reveals her guts because she was an assassin that was on the hunt for I think Mando but or, in or this, Grogu in the original season. In this se- um, in this series, like in the um, book of Boba Fett, I think that that's where it gets sort of brought back in is mm. in that episode where they yeah, meet up that, with the mods. That's how she Boba Fett saves her is to yeah. take her to the mod surgeon. And that's actually kind of makes the the mods as a little gang mm. make it ties them into their group quite well. Yeah, it does actually, and it kind of explains away like why he was so sympathetic to them and their mm. little water crisis as well. Um, the um, so so yeah, in, in this one, yeah, he um, saves Fennec Shan, takes her to the mods. They mm. they fix her fix her all up. Uh, and then they go and they um, uh, they they steal Slave One uh, back. What do they call Slave One now? It's not Slave yeah, One. It's just the Starship. I think Boba Fett Starship. They call it just Boba Fett Star- Starship now. Mm. Um, can't so, say, you can't say slave anymore. No, apparently no. no. Um, so they 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 steal the, the, the ship back, and then uh, Fennec Shan decides she's going to stay with Fett. Um, and they go off and they uh, kill the biker gang that they th- believe killed the Tuscans. That is a cool shot mm. when, you can, when Slave One comes swooping in and yeah. takes them out. That's mm. a, a nice bit of um, action there, and it shows the uh, the sort of the dark side still there with Boba when he wants to. He can really yeah. Yeah, open a can of whoop at some people if he yeah. thinks it's justified. <laughs> so. So they, they steal that, and then they uh, go to get uh, revenge, or at least get his armor back from the Sarlacc pit, because he thinks that the Sarlacc, his armor is in the Sarlacc. Yeah, he must be thinking that when he climbed out, he climbed out of his armor, yeah. mm. and the Sarlacc pit kept it in it. That's the logic he must be thinking, because mm. he stumbles out half dead, whacked on the head pretty quick for the Jawas. Yeah. To, to kind of, some people are pulling me at that at a plot hole, 
as though, you know, why is he fishing around in the Sarlacc? Because he got out and he was wearing his armor. Wouldn't you know that? You probably wouldn't know much, I think, in, in that no, situation. You'd be all over the place, confused. I think. Yeah. I think it's quite a toxic-looking environment inside there. It's, like, gassy and sort of acidic, so it's probably all kinds of messed up when he popped through the sand mm. to be quickly knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody Jawas. I know. They are, they are little pricks, oh. aren't they? What are you doing? There's, there's a, a wee, little, little lizard. There's on the ground. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> oh, wow. Don't let it run up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> it's just like you both like went completely off mic. We're like looking over there. I'm like, is the dog doing something? It's like it's a tiny no, it's little a tiny lizard. Little lizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, uh, a, get a cat on it. Oh no, I'm gonna move it before one of the animals does. You keep talking. Yeah. So um, they yeah they just decide they're gonna go and do that. They kill the Sarlacc. Yeah, poor Sarlacc. He wasn't doing nothing. He was just sitting there digesting He's been things. Been there for a millennia or so. But yeah. No, no. Your time's up. Yeah. So uh, and he was on a good wicket. That Sarlacc he was getting fed bodies. Yeah, fairly regularly off Jabba. At that, so. that point in time, yeah, but then Jabba's gone. So, yeah, you would yeah. you maybe, I don't know, but I guess he's got a, an issue with him now that he's almost got digested by him. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but that sonic blast was kind of, it's cooler in space. When it happens under the sand, it's not quite as cool. But mm. if you're going to take out the, the Sarlacc, sonic blast is the way you do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so after that, uh, they, um, you know, uh, Boba Fett's uh, fully healed from the back tank, so he's, he's all yeah. good. In Slave One, he has a nice conversation with Fennec Shand, mm. and it's largely to do with his motivations and, and her joining him and choosing mm. to be with him as a team, not being paid, yeah, but just yeah. chooses to stay. Mm-hmm. And that's a consistent theme, I think, that, mm. that runs mm. through. Um, and then he enlists uh, uh, Chrysanthemum in, into his um, group as well because he finds him in the bar fighting with some Trandoshans uh, in the sanctuary. And he's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll hire you. You can mm. work for us. And so he was like, yep, cool, no worries. Um, and then he has a meeting with some of the um, other crime bosses of Mos Espa um, saying like, you know, the pikes are coming. Like, you know, you got to team up with me. And they're like, nah. And he was like, well, okay. Don't team up with me, but then stay out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they and they agree to that. Mm. Um, yeah, but uh, don't think their word don't think their uh, word is worth the uh, worth their weight, really. Bloody, it's just so untrustworthy. Some of these crime bosses. <laughs> they are, they are. <laughs> Do you think the title "crime boss" might be the giveaway? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's it's apparently the rancor's presence that uh, convinces them to stay neutral. Um, and uh, again, like, uh, what's that, that thing about having a, a, introducing a gun in the, uh, the first act and you've got to fire mm. it by the third act? Mm. So, yeah, so we've introduced the rancor. So, um, yeah, we just got to wait, wait till that third act comes along now. Um, so yeah, the, so the, that- there is a big chunk of rancor training missing, I think. Yeah. You get, you get see him arrive and then he really arrives. Mm. And that's the only times you get to be, you know, and there's, Alludes to in that first meeting with Boba Fett and the Rancor that you know he wants to, there's, there's a lot to do and there's you know lots of training to to be done. Mm. Maybe if we get like a deleted scene or something or some extras on, on a, on a Blu-ray disc, we'll never get. Throw them back to that during some of those Mandalorian episodes. I I think what they should have done was had a um a Rocky style uh, montage of Lift, uh, lifting logs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think that would be good. <laughs> but I think it did, did kind of, like, because we're... Um, they spent long enough with Mando not being able to get on a blurg. Yeah. You know, they spent, spent five minutes him training yeah. to ride that little beastie, so why can't they you know, show Boba Fett sliding his ass off the back of the Rancor because he can't I, stay on? I think it might be more that they wanted you to forget the Rancor 
uh, until episode seven. The big gun. When he yeah. turns up and is like, oh, crap, yeah, the Rancor. And then so it's kind of a bit more of a surprise. Or mm. that, you know, you assume that it's going to take, you know, years potentially to be able yeah. to train, yeah. you know, well, I guess both Boba and the Rancor to be able to work together. Mm. And so maybe you just thought, oh, yeah, they're just going to leave that until another season. I don't know. Yeah, it could have. I think the um, that in the episode where there's the um, train heist, there's this big aerial shot that shows a lot of banthas and a lot mm. of uh, at the size of the Tuscan tribe, really. And when they're all offed by the pikes, there's, you're, you don't have a hundred percent certainty on are they all dead or is it just mm. a little cluster of tents mm. that he was in. You're not even really certain if. I think you see the leader's staff is down and mm. they burn all the staffs as the sort of ceremonial pyre. Um, and then there's the little staff that's the boy's little staff. You see that, but you don't see any bodies or anything yeah. of who's all actually dead and who might have made it away. All that sort of left a little bit um, vague. Do you think they left it vague or do you think that they did it in a Disney way so you didn't have to see Too much as many, trauma? Yeah, yeah, as many maybe. bodies and destruction. Mm. I, I was hoping it was because there was a larger tribe that you saw, saw a hint of from yeah. that aerial shot mm. and that they were going to be the big gun at the end and you know so much of the flashbacks are to do with him mm. becoming close and part of that um, mm. Tuscan mm. tribe that he would have been able to I know, rally the troops and I was hoping for this big sand cloud of banthas sort of herding into town to yeah. kind of take them on and it's you know animals versus you know droids or whatever um, that would be cool I thought that you didn't necessarily need the rancor to be the the big gun mm. and you probably didn't need Grogu there either if you had kept it more I don't know Battle of the Sands of Tatooine or something like that then you could have but it, it sort of alludes now that they're all gone and all the, all all the, the ones he yeah, knew at least yeah, anyway mm. yeah that, that was a feeling I was getting yeah yeah but the uh, the next episode is where it turns and, and goes from being Book of Boba Fett to being Book of Mandalorian mm. uh, and did that jar at the as in, when you watch it, you're like, okay, well, I've just watched something different. Or did you enjoy the change of direction? I I wanted more Boba Fett. Mm. Like that was the thing that got me. Is that I understand probably why they've done it to some degree, but I just I expected it to be like you were going to see a little bit of something just to give a bit of backstory as to why we're reintroducing mm. Mandalorian into Boba Fett, but. I thought that he was going to be introduced into Boba Fett's story and we we're going to get like a little bit of flashback mm. as to what, what had been happening. I thought we were going to break out of the flashback and I kept on waiting for that and it didn't happen. Mm. And it was, meh. I think that if the reason for having that episode and the subsequent episode is so that Mando and Grogu are there at the big showdown mm. at the end, if you decide not to have Mando and Grogu in that showdown, and it's actually just Boba Fett's people, then you didn't need those two episodes. They could have been episode one and two of Mandalorian mm. season three, yep. and you could have just then been you know two and a half episodes into the story with that stuff. And part of me was wondering, like, why would you go and you know, tell two thirds of a story, whack in something else, and then sort of wrap it up? Yeah. And it made me think. I wonder if it's not going down quite as well as they thought, and we'll just get a shot in the arm of Mandalorian because Mandalorian's the the thing that everybody loves. We'll just we'll just throw a little bit of that in just to spice it up again. Do you think like cause it wouldn't be like from audience reaction because they would have probably they've, had got, their- they've got really big viewing numbers on on the book of Boba Fett more mm. than Mandalorian. So on paper it's a success. Yeah, yeah, but maybe there was I thought that 
it was maybe lagging in pace or it was just taking mm. a bit too long to get there and they just wanted a bit of so you some, think that some, there was potentially a different story arc that was planned well, i think generally the way that the story is told in its flashback and present day and offshoots mm. feels um a little messy and a bit unresolved maybe even a bit of a reaction and a pivot and an adjustment maybe as to mm. how they were they're in because they can do that quite fast but it, it didn't you either do a story where it's a collection of anthologies with bits and people coming in mm. and you don't call it book of boba fett and you call it um trials of tatooine a star wars story or whatever and you just have all these different bits coming in from different angles in, yeah. in any order you want and it comes together however you want but this seemed to be two-thirds of one thing and then a third of another thing yeah, yeah. i think it's it, you could have called it you know the first four episodes could have been a long interlude story on the mandalorian story it yeah could, it didn't need any i don't even like the title the book of boba fett i think it's a little bit naff as mm. a, it reminds me of too many other things i think they could have given it its own star wars identity title but um and for a show that is supposed to be about wars and the stars this is all on sand yeah pretty mm. much true true but yeah, that's a minor criticism. But, I mean, the no, thing- I think it's a good point because I think that it it everyone that's talking about it. I mean, I've been calling it Mandalorian season three, but most people do refer to it as Mandalorian season two point five, yeah. and it is a really perplexing thing as to why they went so hard into that story when it it literally became. The, like there was no flashbacks. I'm not missing anything, am I? Like there was no, no. going back to Boba during those episodes. It was so just the, purely the Mandalorian Rogu. two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are set in the present day timeline of Book of Boba Fett. So that's right. that's happening in effectively what we refer to as real time. Man, I just ugh. I th- yeah, I th- like I th- it wasn't bad. It's just that it was jarring. The, if you're, let's say you're a fan of The Mandalorian and you watch it all and you don't watch Book of Boba Fett and then you watch Mandalorian Season 3, mm. you're going to miss a bit, yeah? Uh, yeah. So you, I don't know if it's a deliberate overlapping tie-in crossover strategy that, that means that you have to watch everything to get yeah. to get it understood properly because you couldn't just go one, two, three seasons because you're missing a key bit. And the key bit is he's rushed the decision of... Uh, Grogu choosing Mando rather than Jedi. Like the crux of the emotional gravitas at the end of season two of The Mandalorian is the, di- the splitting up of that team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really emotional stuff. It's great. Luke Dutton's there and off he goes. And then one episode later, that decision is reversed and mm-hmm. Grogu chooses to leave. And it, it feels like it undermines it a little bit. It only just happened like a big deal mm. of, deal event that wrapped up that season. And this just goes, no, 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 we'll go back to what we were doing before. Because you would have assumed that there would have been a period of years that would have Grogu gone doing his training. Because- I have thought that Mando season three wouldn't have Grogu in it. That mm. it would be, you, know, you might get you know, an odd scene of him training or just mm. like a bit of an update from afar kind of thing, but he wasn't going to, I didn't think he was going to be that duo team, like Lomo and Cub kind of thing. I yeah. honestly, I honestly thought there was going to be a like a time jump, and then you'd you'd be able to see like Grogu a bit more grown up as well. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it didn't didn't happen. It was like as you said, instead um, of time jump, you just got him jumping. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> no, because I think that a season three of Mandalorian, where we saw him going out and just like getting bounties and not being a nanny slash babysitter to Grogu, I think that it would have been good to have seen him out there on his own mm. for a little while 
and to give Grogu a chance to grow up to a point where he's not just a goo goo gaga kind of stage. Mm. Like, could we go like 10, 15 years into the future? Mm. Would that give him time to get a little bit more verbal? Shake some of the cutesy off. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, we've kind of like, we've definitely set up the Mandalorian season three because you you start off with uh, the episode Return of the Mandalorian, uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, with uh, Din going after a bounty because he's looking for some information on the whereabouts of the other Mandalorians from his court. Um, and so he gets the, he, you know, takes out the, the guy and takes his head to, um. That's a good, that's a great scene. Yeah. Mm. Seeing that. It feels proper gangster. Mm. It's, you know, meaty carcasses getting yeah. carved up, bodies getting chopped <laughs> in half, people's heads getting taken off. Dripping bags of blood. It's a hardcore kind yeah. of scene. Sopranos. And, it's, and it's got lightsabers <laughs> in it and stuff and yeah. sort of well, yeah, dog men that you know, are chopping up bodies and things. It's but. also showing like Din trying to get used to the actual dark saber as well because and it's, it's not, weight. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not like a normal lightsaber where it seems to be like just all light. Yeah. This thing actually gets heavier the more you use it. And you end up fighting against it. Yeah. So it's it's really it's some really interesting stuff in there. Mm. Um so yeah, he finds the armorer and he finds uh Paz and they uh they he gives them the the spear which is also uh which is also made of um beskar uh, metal and so with that they melt down the spear and, and turn- I thought that was there was a lot of um mandalorian lore that was discussed between the three of them about the dark saber its history about um you know, Beskar is supposed to be made for protection, not mm. as a weapon. Mm. And all these kind of extra bits they added on to the man That is pure Mandalorian stuff and should have been in a Mandalorian mm. show. I agree, because they, you know, they were talking about the... Um, they go into mm. all of the stuff of how he might be able to redeem himself. And, and flashes back to, I think, is it Knights of a Thousand Tears where that very Terminator-esque sort of shot where they got Mandalorian completely mm. destroyed mm. and turned to glass is what the fuck calls it. Mm. But that... Those shots of that happening were impressive as well. That's some mm. big scale destruction, and but it was wholly a Mandalorian story, not a Boba Fett story. Yeah, and th- and also he reveals as well that he has taken his helmet off, and so he's now oh, no he's in longer, trouble for that. Yeah, yeah, mm. he's now no longer their tribe of the Mandalorian. So now he's got to go on a quest to be able to become a Mandalorian again. Is is maybe that the thematic tie-in? Do you think is that that he's effectively ousted from his own tribe? Mm. And then has to go and find another tribe. And is is it him and Grogu or their own little tribe, or is him Grogu and Boba Fett's mob a, tri- mm. a, new, a new tribe for him? Or is he going to go and try and do this quest that they said that he could become a Mandalorian again? Is it hundred oh, percent? You don't mention it without that having to yeah, yeah. come into play next. Um, and also, there's mention of um, riding the great Mythosaur, which mm. are extinct. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to see that too. Yeah, you don't you don't plant that seed without the big payoff down the road. Yeah. I think. And the question is, who is going to rule Mandalore as well? Because he mm. has a dark saber, but you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are saying, "Well, no, I want to be the ruler of Mandalore," challenging yeah. him for it. And that challenge from Paz Vissa was a cool scrap too. Mm. I thought it showed that Mando's still got the goods when he's up against it. But also, you had Grogu, who's always had this sort of like his eyes have always lit up when he's seen the dark saber. Mm. So he seems to have some sort of link to it as well. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I think the. I don't think it's in this episode. I think it's the next episode where Grogu has his flashback too. That's quite mm. interesting. And I think there seems to be um, there's lots of that traumatic moment for 
uh, Grogu has got a lot of sabers and stuff in it just before another saber is revealed and you know he's been captured by a guy with a saber and mm. all sorts of stuff. so there's, there's an interesting um, connection I think that that we guys got to that weapon type and you also have uh, the, the the scene where he goes and sees uh, Pile Molto again she's uh, great Tatooine. Yeah. Oh, she's brilliant <laughs> in it I think maybe initially she was a um, maybe a little too comedic or something or I was just trying a, a few comic lines but in this episode where they build that new starship mm. she's brilliant in it she kind of lets him sort of find his way of loving this yeah. new thing and really sort of gently manipulates him into you know what she wants him to do I yeah. think it's nice it's kind of an odd ship though for like from the Razor Crest which was like a big ship a van yeah, yeah, yeah. Van. He's, yeah. Like, I got from a van to a sports car. Yeah, because um, this one, like, I'm just going. How are you going to be able to transport your bounties in this thing? Because I think he's done with bounty hunting. You reckon he's done with I it? I think yeah. so. Yeah. No. I think it's that last bounty that he took, where he carved up his own leg. Mm. I think he's, um, yeah, he's more interested in being a dad than a bounty hunter. I yeah. think. But he, he, they they build the ship, and the ship was from um, episode one. And, and Nabubian Starfighter and Nabu Starfighter and N1 and, class. Yeah. And like some people have said they believe it's the same one that uh, Anakin was in in episode yeah. one. I think it isn't. Yeah. There's markings yeah. underneath the window um, and I think they're different, but it's the same type same of model, ship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was always like, kind of like it was a dead giveaway when you saw that the um, the place where the astromech would go in is now a bubble oh, where... Yeah. You know, it's, it's a car seat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when, when you saw that, you're just like, well, that's where Grogu is going to sit. And, um, I, and I better see that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so keen for it. Yeah. And so and so that uh, at the end of the episode, um, he... You know, meets up with Fennec Shan. She tells him, you know, you've got to come and do this for, for Boba Fett. And he's like, cool, I'll do it for free, but I've got to go and see the little friend first. Mm. And it's like, right, okay, next episode we're seeing Grogu. And, and again, mm. um, Boba bolsters his team, not through payment, but yeah. because they want to be there. Mm. Mm. And when they're fixing up that ship and they take it out for that uh, first test flight, that is a great sequence as well, going through Beggar's Canyon and... Mm. Write good nods back to the prequel um, movies, and and then getting pulled up by um, oh, what's David Lee's tra- character? Cops. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, like uh, that's funny. Apparently, one of the X-wing uh, pilots was the body stand-in for Mark Hamill at the end of oh, okay. Mandalorian. Yeah, but the we'll talk we'll talk about because the other Luke one in a minute yeah because the other one oh you can see why he does look like uh, quite a bit like him mm. and the other guy is the guy from Kim's Convenience it wasn't it was him reprising his role yeah yeah, yeah. he's good he's been in a Paul Lee he's sorry. been in a, in a few times and yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, it's quite like him as a X-Wing pilot but the, the the next episode, I'm actually surprised. The uh, I would have thought Rodriguez would have um, done this one. From the desert comes a stranger, but it's actually directed by Dave Filoni because mm. um, it's got Ahsoka. Yes, it. yeah, and it's got uh, and Cobb Vance, uh, Vance returns as well. He's yeah, Timothy Oliphant's. Yeah. If you ever have the need for a sheriff type character, you've got to cast him. He's yeah. just <laughs> perfect for it. You know, from Deadwood to Justified to Once Upon a Time mm. in Hollywood to this. He carries out that lawman role brilliantly, I think. And in this this one, he starts off the uh, the episode where he confronts some uh, Pike Spice Runners and shoots them. 
Uh, and then uh, after that, uh, we see um, Dejaran goes to that. And, uh, and a real man of honor moment where he tips out the spice. Mm. Not in my town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. good stuff, right? Um, and then uh, Dejaran uh, flies to a forest world to visit Grogu and uh, is greeted by R2-D2 and Ahsoka Tano. Mind you, he's greeted by R2 first and gets told to sit on a log for a very long time. <laughs> I think the, the ant droids that are building the Jedi Temple, mm. just real quickly, make him a little bench to sit on. Yeah. yeah. And even goes, is that a bench? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great timing. Really nice. That's uh, a cool process to watch them doing that as well. There's you're a very to satisfying bit where they put a stone that must be about the size of a book up on top of another stone and it fits perfectly. Like, yeah, okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the architect. I was going to say, <laughs> guess what you do for a living. <laughs> but it's it was just like a neat process just yeah. to watch just like all these droids just coming together and, you know, you see ants out in your garden and they are like these perfectly coordinated little, yeah, little groups. Hive. Yeah, so I, I like that. It was good. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, yeah, it was it was good because I think he was literally just, Dejeron De- De- was just thinking, we're going to rock up there, give him his thing, see how he's going and uh, move on. Kind of Have a quick catch up. Yeah. But the um, the Jedi are very, um, uh, they, they, they very insular. They like to keep themselves, don't mm. like to uh, have outsiders, you know, influencing things. Mm. Um, which I don't know. I think maybe that kind of is some of the issues with Jedi is, mm-hmm. is that they're too black and white. They need to look a bit more shades of grey. And the issue with Mandalorians because, you mm. know, that whole thing of like, you know, once you take off your mask, that's it. It's just like... You're right with this gang. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, I was dying. I need to have my mask taken off. Otherwise, you know... I'd... But I know you got annoyed that you didn't see a, a Rancor training sequence, but there was certainly a massive uh, Luke Skywalker Grogu training sequence so in, this good. Film, in this episode. <laughs> I think... Um, the All fa- was forgiven that we yeah. oh, crossed yeah. over I, into a different series. I, I don't care where I am at this point. I'm, I'm <laughs> seeing some of the best Star Wars yeah. ever made. It's To get that um, Luke looking really, really good, I think they made a, a great attempt at it at the end of Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, but they smashed it this time, I thought. And Absolutely. So clever edit, you know, a little bit of off-camera uh, dialogue that, mm. you know, saves a bit of money, I'm sure. But the rest of it looked mint, I think, really, really good. Especially yeah. when they're up at the top of the bamboo and are overlooking the village. It's just 100% convincing. There was not one moment where I actually thought, hang on a second, this is not yeah. actually Mark Hamill, like, you know, yeah. in the flesh. It's very because good. And I think it's just you're, amazing. when you see Mark Hamill in uh, New Hope, Emperor Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, he does age a bit, mm-hmm. especially between New Hope and Emperor Strikes Back. So I think he actually has a car crash yeah. in between them. So he has a bit of, uh, oh, a bit of facial damage. Why? So he looks a wee bit different. Oh. Um, but there's no reason why between Return of the Jedi and now he can't look a wee bit different because he's a few years older. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, all forgivable if there is a slight non-perfect resemblance. Yeah. He's just gotten a wee bit older. No complaints here, though. No, good. really good. And Grogu's training, um, yeah, great. Really, really good. curling up on that little rock by the I river. love the way he gets tuckered out. Yeah. When, yeah. when, he, when he's, done, he's done his best work, just needs a lie down. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I think, like, I really hope that there, um, there was going to be a longer gap in time before we saw Grogu again because I really wanted him to get past that whole cutesy still having a nap thing. Mm. So, yeah. But yeah, it, 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 in this one, it was yeah Luke being very down the line. This is what Jedi's are. This is what Jedi's do. Mm. If you want to be a Jedi, you've got to give up all your other connections. Uh, mm. And then giving him that choice of saying like, you know, either you go for your your Beskar vest or your uh, or you go for the the lightsaber. 
and then they, they kind of leave on that cliffhanger. So you're it's, not a nice, sure. it's a real nice cliffhanger. Yeah. So you're not sure which way he's going to go. But you, you kind of... Or how quickly he was going to come to that decision as well. Yeah. Because, like, why did he have to make that decision right there and then? Mm. I think the fact that he's, he's making him choose is a little problematic in that it feels like um, the sort of thing that a Jedi instructor shouldn't be making a young person make mm, a decision. Mm. Then on the other hand, it goes, well, I'm not forcing him to do anything. He's making his own choice. Let him make his choice and off he goes. That's fine. Yeah, but like, but, why but, did he have to make that decision right there in that moment? all or nothing mm. is a very black and white coin toss type choice. Mm. There's no, you can have attachments and be a Jedi if you want. There's none of that middle ground. So they're dealing in ultimatums, really. Yeah. And that's actually the dark side, yeah. not, not the light. And the weird thing is, like, he's got attachments. He's got Leia. He's got Han. He's mm. got Chewie. He's got R2. He's got C-3PO. He's got attachments. How can he not, How does he not see that the Jedis are better for having attachments? It's very strange. Yeah. I think um, the, the fact that it might just be more of a... It's a young Jedi Master starting out his training academy, mm. and maybe that wasn't hit some of his best choices, and or maybe there's a reason why that's choice and it'll pay off later on. Mm. Um, but it's at the, the time when you're left wondering which choice he's going to make. Um, it was fun to find out what happened next. Yeah, yeah. so true. Mm. But the uh, you also have uh, um, back on Tatooine, you, you have um, the. I guess the gang now is is uh, having a chat about uh, you know what they're going to do with this war with the Pikes, uh, and uh, Din um, suggests that uh, he goes and has a chat with Cobb and gets the free folk to come and um, uh, you know help him out. Mm. Uh, but before um, he goes and has a chat with he goes and has a chat with them, and they're kind of on the fence about doing it. Uh, but when he leaves, uh, a new hired gun comes to town called Cad Bane, uh, who was someone who had turned up in mm. the animation stuff beforehand. Was the beginning of this episode the one where Cobb Vanth kicks over the box of spice and sort of tells the pikes mm-hmm. to sling their hook? Mm-hmm. It's a nice bookending of that episode with mm. those two sort of quick draw scenes. That was pretty good. Mm. But that de- that junior deputy, I just wanted to smack him. Yeah. Stop, <laughs> stop distracting him. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get him shot. Um, and, then, and lo and behold <laughs> and then uh, another um, thing happened was uh, that the sanctuary got blown up mm-hmm. um, and uh, which is a shame because I think that her name is Jennifer Beale is that right the actress she was in yeah she was Flash from Dance, I think was um, and she's been in she was in one of the other spacey things um, not Farscape something like that oh, um, maybe um but she seemed to be a character that was really underdeveloped. Like mm, she was mm. the madam of the sanctuary or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, I think there are sort of, um, she could have had a, a bigger role. Great yeah. outfits though, I'll give her that. Yeah. But yeah, and then obviously uh, the episode ends with uh, Luke giving the choice to Grogu of uh, Yoda's lightsaber or the, the mesh mm. um but the blowing, sure. the blowing up the sanctuary—that's proper gangster movie stuff. That's, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like yeah, not messing about. Yeah. So they're dialing into that trope mm. pretty hard. Yeah. But the, that choice—it's—it's um, a it's, uh, yeah. It was, it was hard to watch. I think a little bit. Mm. Was like, and I wasn't sure whether it was going to pay off for the next episode or whether they were going to like leave that for the mm. next series of Mandalorian. But. Turns out, does uh, does pay off in the next episode, uh, where um, a, a, um, 
an X-wing, not uh, sorry, yeah, when yep. X-wing turns up um, and uh, flies down uh, into Motto's hangar, and uh, yeah, Grogu like pops out. <laughs> Luke, I, did, Luke I, didn't even bother flying him there. That's like R two, you deal with that mess. Yeah. <laughs> that kid. Um, I think her uh, affection towards Grogu is really sweet. Yeah, I think. Um, and even took the mick out of his name and said, yeah, I'm not calling you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of cute. Yeah. And then um, you see them rickshawing through town a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, in this episode, it's basically the big fight scene. Um, yeah. It's the Pikes uh, uh, versus uh, uh, Boba Fett's gang. Um, but then also you get the, the crime lords who said that they you know stay neutral. They all... Uh, Turn on Boba Fett and uh, surprise, surprise. Not of, their, not of their word after all. No, <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, it's not. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it, the whole uh, episode is basically a big fight scene. It is really um, culminating, of course, in the reappearance of the uh, Rancor being ridden by Boba Fett. So yeah. obviously, he grew up a bit that's, during that's, his time. That's awesome. That's a yeah, cool thing to have on screen. Robert Rodriguez directed this episode too. Yes. Yeah. So three out of the seven. And they, I think, in the episodes that he directed, I think are some of the weaker um, things of the show. Mm. I think you know, the the slow speeder bike is probably a low point, you know, minor grumbling really. Mm. But this sort of drawn out in the middle of the street fight scene did feel off pace as well, I think. Continu- yeah. Continually shooting at a large droid with an energy shield and thinking that this, no this, this time it's going to be different to mm. the hundred times I just did it a minute ago. Mm. Just felt, oh, this is not very smart. Like not knowing where the weak point is or anything or like that. Or figuring out. Yeah. yeah. And, until a bloody great rancor mm. comes in and smashes them up. Yeah. So it feels like you're treading water through what should have been a real tense fight scene and, you know, the droids are moving quite slowly <sighs> and, yeah. Mm. And whilst they decided to bunker down at the sanctuary as the sort of symbol of oh, we're of the people will fight in the streets and defend mm. our sanctuary um that it just left them out in the open all the time like these are smart fighters and bounty hunters they know how to take cover yeah you'd think you'd be able to mm. hide behind a pillar or something lots of standing in the middle of the street getting shot at yeah, yeah. but yeah again minor grumblings i i think as well the uh as far as episodes go this was kind of lacking uh as the climax I think the build-up was great, but the actual climax was a bit lackluster. Mm. I think it needed to be more epic. Mm. I think mm. Grogu to- coming back into the story was a bit lackluster. Like apart from him yeah. coming in on the X-wing, like when he actually comes in on the rickshaw and stuff, like I thought something amazing was going to happen. Mm. Nothing really mm. amazing happened. So he pulls the bolt out of the droid and it falls over, and they Yay. get the best on that one. Mm. And he gets hit by the bolt and rolls over, and it's quite cute funny or whatever and then he puts the rancor to sleep mm. and that's the only reason story-wise why Grogu's there is to do those two things and you could have dealt with that differently and you didn't need him to be there for that fight no and it seemed that that reuniting moment of Mando and Grogu seemed like it was had no weight to it it's just like hey my dude you're here oh you got the best on great now crack on with the story it's just yeah. sort of like how emotionally invested and hard it was at the end of Mandalorian season two for them to split, mm. for them to come back together again, just like seemed like nothing. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. it was a bit. It was, but yeah, I shouldn't complain. We're getting lots of cool Star Wars in a time where yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, like it, it so wasn't it's, like it's it like wasn't overall satisfying. It's just that it, there was stuff that just felt like it was a little bit underwhelming. Mm. Like 
you say. And you did you did get to see that shot of uh, Grogu in the little bubble in the uh, the, the star oh, yeah. in the starfighter. So that was the f- that was good. And uh, and when it comes to you know Mandalorian and Grogu hijacking a show, they get the last shot riding off into the sunset. <laughs> I mean, how, how more obvious you want it to be? This is actually our show, guys. See you oh, later. Yeah. Wait, isn't, isn't the very last shot? Um, uh, Vance in the oh the after credit yeah, scene yeah called Vance in yeah. The, uh, yeah. back to tank yeah. so so you know he's not dead which is good yeah no, I think that's good and he's a, a, a likable character to have recurring and were they kind of repairing him as well like the mod the, surgeon was yeah. in the background waiting for him to heal enough to probably operate on him or something to that effect and, mm. but if he's if so Cobb, he's going to come back all like better faster stronger kind of thing yeah I think you'll have a little bit of six million dollar man fastest Yay. draw in the galaxy skills on fucking him. cool is that gonna it's be it's gonna be good yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's just like it's it's i don't think that there was anything that was like not like i, I walked away from the whole se- season not dissatisfied but just like confused i think like as to why they've gone down yeah <laughs> like why wasn't there more because i really did want to see more of boba fett hmm. and did, did you think i thought that there's Every now and again, when he made a decision, he seemed a little bit inept, as in he was taking advice from one person and doing something different, mm. or being recommended, oh no, don't go back to the palace, stay here, and changes his mind in an instant. Like he's not got this sort of straight conviction and direction that a leader has. Mm. That, that influence externally for him to change in his direction all the time, that, that comes off weak, I think. It does. And I've heard someone, I haven't had a chance to have more than about a five-minute conversation about it but um in terms of the way he assumes power it's it wouldn't have been possible mm. like in terms of you know how politics and power works so it's it's Abrupt. it's lacking in a number of ways but in terms of just being like a good fun show to watch oh yeah sure that's great yeah. but and and again it, the like The Mandalorian, this show had me waiting for each episode to come out. And mm-hmm. I was watching as quickly as I could mm-hmm. and uh, watched each episode at least twice. And But in addition to watching it twice, I don't have the same urge to rewatch it that I do The Mandalorian. And I think for me that just says it resonates as a better show. Mm-hmm. It's either um, constructed better or it's just the way that they've developed the story is stronger or it just doesn't feel as clunky or um, doesn't have the same offbeats. Even Mandalorian had slow, potentially pointless episodes where the Jawas wreck his ship and has to rebuild it and <laughs> go on his way. So that's a, that's a little detour. Still yeah. feels like a lot of fun, though. And it's- yeah, but there's a difference between a tangent and, like you say, the whole series getting hijacked. Mm. That's, I think, the difference. Mm. And it's maybe um, because Boba Fett's character had to go through another evolution to be able to make him into a person that can lead a town. He's not mm. a sole gunfire whose only um, concern is picking up a bounty and, mm. and making money and you know, being badass. Now you've got to give him a whole new sort of reset on his backstory. And I think the Tuscans, um, you know, Dances with Tuscans or whatever you want to call it, the, the time that he was embraced by that tribe, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's the best bit of the show. And that gave you enough valid reason to believe that he could be this other version of Boba Fett. And it's mm. good to see another version. We've got, you know, the mystery was shattered a bit with the prequel mm. backstory. Great, but we've got more story and now we've got more story again. So I think there's there's no reason why I can't have more Boba Fett stories, but maybe it just doesn't need his own show. 
yeah. yeah, maybe, and maybe that's the thing that they couldn't come up with enough for a whole mm. season with him, just him. Like maybe yeah. they just hadn't. Been, I, I think there's a few things that were set up that didn't pay as well. I think the, mm. um, like the the huts coming in and then bowing out real quickly yeah, felt yeah. like they're only there to deliver a creature, and the huts are supposed to be the main villain in the third movie. So it's like, mm. well. I felt like sort of in and out too quick. Um, I think the I just thought that the the Tuscans, the massive tribe of Tuscans, was going to be the the trump card mm-hmm. at the end of the big fight. But I was disappointed that that, that didn't happen. But I still, I still think it was a really good show. Yeah, I think we'll still see more Boba Fett. I just don't think we'll see him as he said in his own show. I, mm-hmm. I think it'll be in in other he'll turn guest in appearances other and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Will we see more Danny? Yeah, I reckon we'll see more Danny <laughs> Trejo. I'm, I'm sure that uh, if, Ro- if Roderick. Robert Rodriguez is directing it. We will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just not 100% certain on him as a director within Star Wars. So mm. There's something that maybe just doesn't click. And even the episode. The pacing in his movies as well is, is quite something of his own. Mm. So. Even the episode he did in Mandalorian season two where the razor cast got blown up and Boba Fett uh, got his armor right. and he's scrapping like a maniac taken out the clown car of stormtroopers that just keep on coming. <laughs> and then that, even that, there's bits of that episode that I think didn't really work that well. And mm. it's, you can always tell that it's a Robert Rodriguez movie because at some point the whole screen gets engulfed in flames. <laughs> like his, I think his studio is called Troublemaker Studio. And I think that's the opening shot. It's mm. just this big pile of flames. But I expected his episodes to be the best of them all, because yeah, I'd recently watched Alita Battle Angel, and that was a really slick, fast-paced, dynamic, CG-heavy movie that you know paced well. And but wasn't particularly well received, no, was it? But I thought he's got the chops to pull that off, mm. given some Disney cash and a great property like Star Wars that could have mm. should have been amazing. But actually, for me, felt like his episodes were not the best ones. Yeah, I think, shame. I think Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, oh, so her episodes yeah. are the best. Yeah, I think um, if. You know, like Filoni, I think it's in her blood. I think it's seeped into her, mm. you know, just as sort of background noises from a very young age. And, and people are calling for her to do her own Star Wars mm. film and stuff like that. But it's interesting because they still haven't had, we haven't had any, um, uh, like, announcements about any Star Wars films. It's, they're mm. very focused on the TV. But, but I, I don't, don't think, mind that because yeah, I think I that Star either. Wars is, well, I mean, I'm kind of an amateur kind of fan of the franchise, but it's better suited to that long episodic. storytelling and mm. that episodic, yeah. Well, it, they did try and make it episodic, didn't they? I mean... Mm. It's part of its source inspiration. I think the old TV serials like Flash Gordon and things that have the crawl at the start mm. and stuff. Mm. And I think you know, scheduled, it becomes an event in my calendar when they drop. And <laughs> yeah. I think it, looking forward to it on a weekly basis, just now you've got a little gap until the next one comes along. Mm. I just worry that... If um, Ben Kenobi's series is largely set on Tatooine as well, are we going to get a bit of Tatooine fatigue? Yeah. <laughs> but it, I think it's going to be hopefully a bit more off-world. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they'll take them off-world. I can't imagine mm. it just spend the whole Do time Do we know what Tatooine. time period that's going to be? It's it, between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, oh, sort okay. of in the middle there. Mm. So Vader's Vader and they will duel, I think. But, but they might do flashbacks and stuff yeah. within that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So Potentially. that's the thing I don't quite understand. Actually, I think there is something about Hayden Christensen being yeah, yeah. in it, isn't uh, it? In in the little teaser interview that you McGregor did, he did make mention of him and um, Hayden Christensen being working together again on that show. Because um, fake doctors, real friends, like Donald Faison's like a massive Star Wars fan, 
and they had a guest on the most recent episode um, who was um, – she's the director of all things hair. And so, like, she got to do things like, you know, invent, like, Fennec Shan's mm-hmm. hairdo, which is, like, so intricate. Um, and there was a bit of hinting towards Hayden Christensen and what his hair might look like in the in the series. <laughs> but the, the weird thing is, though, like if it's in a flashback, yeah, not, not so much of a worry when he takes off his helmet. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the strange thing is, is though, if they do meet up and they fight again post Revenge of the Sith. Mm. You've got to be careful how A New Hope feels yeah. with that interjection. And yeah. Because, yeah, the last time we met, I was the you were the master and I was the, the um, student mm-hmm. or the, the learner. And now, like, it's the roles of us. So, like, how does that work? But so I don't think they, that they will meet as him being Vader. I think, yeah. like, maybe he'll just be out there. I think in the time period that it's set, it would... My gut feeling is that, that Vader's in it because I think really? Vader popping up at the end of Rogue One uh, was such a highlight and people mm. loved it. And I think you've got it, Disney are, are going to be fully aware that their key and most popular characters are Mando, Boba Fett, and Vader. Mm. And mm. it's the guys with the cool helmets, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, they and you know Vader's got to make an appearance again, and they just can't make enough of those toys. They sell every day of the week. They do. We've got a grumpy puppy. <laughs> Must be getting close to food there's a, time. There's a toilet. Yeah. All right. Well, we should wrap this up. But uh, yeah, thank, thank you very much for joining us, Lee, for that. My pleasure. Uh, yeah. Good, it was good fun. Cast Wealth of, of information. Of, of <laughs> Book of Boba Fett. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's certainly an, an interesting series um, and one we'll definitely be going back and, mm. and re-watching uh, in, the, in the short term, I'm sure. Oh. And, and I think the music was really good in oh, it too. Oh, always, yeah. And, and I love the artwork in the end credits. It just yeah, makes you enjoy the end of the show with that little bit extra so and that's why i'm really hoping that they do a star wars gallery on this because um that was one of my favorite things from particularly the first Mm. season of mandalorian um i really hope that they're at a place where they can go and do that with this because i think that might give us some insight Mm. as to why they took those directions yeah i think it doesn't have a bit of explaining to do Mm. but it'd be nice to know what what the thought process was um the and strange the very last episode the theme tune changes to actually have lyrics on it and his name goes into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think that's sort of symbolic of him completing his mm. little tribe quest. And yeah. uh, it was, it was uh, also music was done by Ludwig Göransson, uh, yep. as well as the Mandalorian as well. Mm. But he gave it a quite nice feel as well. Like it gave it, even though it had a Star Wars feel, it had its own feel that mm. was separate yeah. to Mandalorian. I think he's very strong at creating themes oh, yeah. for the key characters. And that's a... That's a um, John Williams playbook move that one to create signature themes for everyone but it's got its own identity and its music still it's good mm. alright we're good yep we spoiled everything I think so excellent <laughs> alright we'll catch you guys next See time ya. bye this podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture <laughs>